Hey everyone, I'm Ryan Kalamea. And I'm Amy Gosha. Welcome to The Divorce at Altitude, a podcast on Colorado family law. Divorce is not easy. It really sucks. Trust me, I know. Besides being an experienced divorce attorney, I'm also a divorce client. Whether you are someone considering divorce or a fellow family law attorney, listen in for weekly tips and insight into topics related to divorce, co-parenting, and separation in Colorado. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce at Altitude. This is Ryan Calamea. This week, I am joined by Amy, my partner, and we're going to be talking about how to pick the best divorce lawyer. And if you're a business owner, if you're Eric Wolf, if you're Melanie Wolf, and on the cusp of a divorce, and we see January, it's called Divorce Month, but really strategically finding the right lawyer to represent your interests is absolutely critical, regardless of the month. But when you're facing such an emotionally and financially complicated process without experienced guidance, it can really put your well-being and future and present at risk. So enlisting the right lawyer from a knowledgeable legal expert should be a top priority. At times, this process, the divorce process may seem intimidating, but it really doesn't have to be. And if you take some proactive steps to make sure that you hire the best help and avoid any possible pitfalls along the way, you're going to be one step ahead of the game. So in this episode, Amy and I are going to talk about the important factors to consider when selecting a qualified attorney for your divorce in Colorado. So Amy, what's the first tip or thing that people should think about when they are picking the best divorce lawyer for Colorado divorce? Well, I mean, first of all, you need to make sure you're finding the right lawyer, you know, so like, for instance, you need a family lawyer, and that can encompass a lot of things. When you think of a, about like a family lawyer, and I know if you're going through divorce, you're going to be specifically looking for a divorce attorney, but you could think of a family lawyer as handling a lot of like family matters that could include, you know, estate planning, business planning, but you've got to make sure that the lawyer that you're picking actually, you know, does family law and does divorce work. So that's really the, you know, the first thing that I would say, because some lawyers will say, you know, like I do divorce work, but maybe they have more of a generalized practice. So someone who really specializes in the area is important. What are some other things that you think are important? Expand on that point a little bit. I mean, my dad was a lawyer. I grew up in Longmont, Colorado, and my dad was a general practitioner. He did personal injury, he did criminal defense, he did family law. And I think, Amy, in today's you know day and age, that the specialization is really the added value of lawyers. And so I think not only should someone look at a lawyer that specializes in family law, I think it really even goes further, especially up in the mountains or when you have business involved like Eric Wolf. And I think the client, their prospective client should ask the lawyer, and we're going to talk about meeting with them about whether or not do they specialize in parenting disputes or custody? Because Amy, that's, you know, something, an emphasis of yours compared to my practice, complex assets or business valuations. And I think also the approach. So do you want to maybe talk about how there can be different approaches among family law lawyers or divorce lawyers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's some lawyers that have 
let's just say certain reputations. So for instance, within the family law framework, if you're looking for someone who, for instance, there's collaborative law, you know, the premise behind that is essentially doing your divorce in a collaborative manner and attorneys, you know, act and approach it in a certain way versus an attorney who is really aggressive and just likes to go to court, you know, and files a bunch of motions. So you want to look at the attorney's approach you know, and we'll talk about the interview process, but you want to understand what their approach is, then you want to make sure that that aligns with the approach that you want to take. Yeah. And the other point, and we'll come back to the interactions with the lawyer. I think people should ask for friends and family for referrals. I mean, most of our work, Amy, it doesn't come from this podcast. It doesn't come from the internet. It comes from former clients and other attorneys. And if you have worked with an estate planning attorney, if you have worked on a business generating the corporate documents or a big real estate Deal. Go to your attorney and ask them for recommendations because we have trusted professionals that do estate planning and we know we don't do that. And so we end up handing off those matters to people that we trust. But I think that asking friends and family for referrals is really important. Anything you'd like to add on that point, Amy? Yeah, I think just, you know, when you're asking for referrals, you know, like if you're asking for from a professional, but also if you're going to be asking from like friends or family, make sure it's someone that, you know, like you want to emulate the same way that they are, you know, through their divorce. So you're not going to ask a family member who you don't want to be super litigious, you know, a family member that's known for being super litigious. So just making sure that you're aligning you know, yourself with the approach and who you're getting a referral from and that you trust them and also, you know, mainly trust them. To that point, Amy, the third kind of tip that we have is to check online reviews. And so maybe looking at those reviews to see the content about, I was involved in a knockdown drag out divorce. That review by a former client might not be helpful if you are looking at a collaborative approach. And so I think looking at what people are saying about their attorneys, but I think those online reviews do shed some light, important light in today's kind of Amazon slash Google way of doing business that those online reviews, I think, do mean something. Yeah. And I think also just looking at the date of those online reviews, and we talk a lot about that, you know, like if you want to understand what someone's work is like now, hopefully they have some more recent reviews, not reviews from, you know, seven years ago. I don't think that that the online reviews to determine the best divorce lawyer is the end all be all because I mean, privacy, I mean, I have a bunch of online reviews, but there are a lot of people that I have helped that their privacy is of utmost paramount, you know, is of the utmost importance. And they don't want other people to know that they got a divorce or they don't want to have that. And so that, you know, I don't think that looking at online reviews, it could freak out people because they could be like, I don't want to go through a divorce and just have, you know, my whole divorce online. And that might be, you know, an expectation. But I think that there are clients that are willing to tell their story. They're comfortable. Amy, you've talked a little bit about your divorce on this podcast. And I think that just knowing that there might be other 
information out there besides just the online reviews. But if you see just litany of complaints against a firm, then that might be a red flag for you. Yeah. And it's like anything when you're trying to make a good decision, you want to take information from various sources to ultimately make that decision. All right. So Amy, the fourth point meet with a lawyer and probably makes sense to meet with a couple lawyers unless you know you really feel a real connection but i think you mentioned earlier figuring out who you are comfortable with that is the best divorce lawyer for you and so do you want to talk about maybe some things that you factored in through your own experience or other things that people might want to consider when they're meeting with a divorce lawyer yeah. So when I mean just taking my own, you know, circumstance, I received the referral, you know, from a judge that I know for my attorney. I interviewed a, you know, a few attorneys, but the one that I hired, you know, like her situation and her life really resonated with me. Like she had a young child. I felt like she understood what it was like to have a young child. So I think, you know, like part of it is the lawyer's role is not to be you know, the therapist. So they're not there to be, you know, your therapist, but you still have to make sure that they understand what you're going through. Like that, you know, I felt like having a lawyer who had young children could really understand, you know, like what a parenting plan should look like, you know, just the challenges of being a professional and having a young child. So, you know, those are some things that I looked at. Yeah, I think, I mean, for a business owner looking for, if you're looking at a big firm in Denver, the partner at a big firm is not running their own business. Whereas, you know, I certainly, Amy, you and I, it's the end of the year, we're having to go through P&Ls and balance sheets and taxes, having to live and breathe and run your own business, I think is important for business owners. But I think people, there's a couple tips in terms of meeting with them. I think that people should be realistic. Uh, the lawyer is not your therapist. I think it is helpful to have that emotional connection in that, you know, having a background that is going to resonate, but really understand that they are not your therapist. You should have a therapist or a divorce coach to help you through that process. And you really, I think people need to stay focused on the goal and the goal is to get divorced. The goal is to be done and do it in the manner that they see fit and know what you want. You're not going to get everything. No one gets everything, you know, in their life. And then that certainly is the case in the divorce. But I think really kind of thinking strategically, what is it that you want? Interview and identify, you know, several potential attorneys and then look for red flags. If the attorney is unwilling to accommodate your schedule, well, guess what? It's probably going to be that way during your divorce. And that's going to really grate on you. If they're unwilling to do Zoom, or teams, then again, that might be something that is really important to you. If they don't follow up and thank you, you know, for the opportunity, that might, you know, really matter to some people. And so some people, they want to have the gray hairs, you know, behind the desk, other people, they want accessibility and technological kind of innovation. And I think that really, those are the things that people can really look at when they meet with a lawyer to see if they're comfortable and and how to determine who the best divorce lawyer is for them. Yeah. A few more comments I would make that I think also is important is you have to be looking at, you know, this person is an extension of you and is negotiating on your behalf, very important issues. 
So you kind of have to look at also, you know, like getting along with this person, but how effective is this person going to be as a negotiator with the other side and the other attorney? So sometimes depending on if the other side has hired an attorney, you know, like you have to take that into consideration when you're hiring your attorney, you know, so talking about, you know, if you're looking for an attorney and the other side has already hired an attorney, asking questions like, well, have you worked with this attorney? What is your working relationship like? You know, to figure that dynamic out because two divorce attorneys who work well together, I mean, that's huge. That can, you know, make or break a case that gets litigated for years or not, you know, so that I think is really important. Right. And I think I couldn't agree more, Amy, because there's certainly attorneys that I work really well with. We have a trust. We get things done a lot more efficiently. I think also knowing the judge and asking, I mean, no one goes into their divorce saying, I want to go to a trial. And when people hear about the judge and the trial, they say, well, we're running. I'm not going to go to trial. And But everything that is known between the attorneys about the judge factors into the guidance that they give their clients. And judges can really vary on how they view money and kids. And I think a lawyer's familiarity with the judge and the other attorney is something that certainly people should ask. And as you know, an extension of that, the fifth point is to talk about money and specifically how much the lawyer is going to charge and just give a general estimate or at least a discussion on cost. So Amy, what are things people should you know know or think about when going into a consultation with a lawyer and talking about how much a divorce is going to cost? Well, I mean, there's also, you know, you should recognize that there's various I guess, fee arrangement. So you can, you should ask about hourly, you should see, you know, is there a flat fee arrangement? Like what are the options for arrangement for fees? And then I also would ask, well, you know, in your typical case, you know, I know that this is, you can't tell me exactly how much my divorce is going to cost, but what is the range? Like what is the range of what a divorce can cost? You know, some of the expenses that people don't think about are, you know, expert costs or filing fees. Like there's additional fees related to divorce, you know, not just the hourly legal fee or hourly rate. So it, it can get really expensive, you know, just because the U.S., You know, I found this very interesting. The median cost of a divorce in in the U.S. is $7,000. Like that seems very low to me, you know. So I think, you know, like looking at those statistics is one thing, but also understanding how much, you know, like a divorce costs, you know, with the person that you're hiring. I think it's really important to know that baseline. Yeah, and the average divorce cost is between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars, and that really the median cost I think is the reason we have kind of do it yourself, and there's a lot of do it yourself divorces. One could see this podcast and say, "Well, I'm going to do it all myself," and I do think Amy that in Colorado, I mean, was it seventy percent of divorces are done without lawyers, and if someone is a salary, both people have a salary. Salary, they don't have kids, 
they've been married for a couple years, they can do it on their own. But I think people should understand that there's not a one size fits all price tag and that the more complicated a divorce, the more it's probably going to cost. And there's a couple factors into how much a divorce costs. And that is that if people are disagreeing on property, that's going to make it more expensive. And when you're valuing, when you mention experts, if there's an owner of a business and it's closely held, it's not Netflix or Tesla or some other publicly traded company, you're getting it into valuation issues. Same thing with parenting. If there are child custody disputes, it results in more fees and more costs. And so it can get, you know, in excess of a hundred thousand dollars. And people are like, you know, that, how how can that be? And it really depends on how complicated, but I think the soft costs, Amy, do you want to talk a little bit about soft costs involved in how much a divorce costs? I mean, soft costs could include like if you have to move homes or like if you need therapy, I mean, therapy can get really expensive, you know, in a lot of cases that Brent and I see, maybe the child has a therapist, each parent has a therapist, there might be a family therapist, you know, like when you're paying all of these professionals at an hourly rate, those, you know, add up. So I think people forget, you know, they think about just the cost of hourly rate of their lawyer, like there's these other additional soft costs. And I'm sure Ryan, you could name even more. Changing insurance, changing cell phone plans, and more importantly, time. And when Eric or Melanie Wolf, our hypothetical divorce clients come in, Eric, if he is a business owner and, or he's a lawyer and he bills at $500 an hour, the amount of time that he is spending on his divorce, if he has to go to mediation, if he goes to trial, he has to factor that in. And I think a lot of people, they overlook that. That's just from a straight monetary economic, but the mental costs in the long-term financial costs, they can really be unexpected. And if you share children, you know, the transportation costs of them going back and forth, those, when people, you know, do how much does a divorce cost in their mind, they're not really factoring that in. And so, Amy, to the, our final point, in terms of making sure people understand what's included in the cost of a divorce lawyer, can you walk through the differences in you know scopes of representation? Because I know that you've been really involved in what are people left with? Is it just do it yourself, listen to Ryan and Amy on a podcast and figure it out yourself? Or we spend $100,000? Is it a binary choice like that? No. I mean, Thankfully, no. And there's more options that are becoming available, which I can talk about. But right now we have full representation where you can hire a lawyer at an hourly rate, or we also have fixed fee where you can essentially pay a certain flat fee amount to get you know through a certain part of the case. So you can hire a lawyer to say, I'm going to mediation and it's going to cost X amount. We also have what's called limited scope representation, which is you hire a lawyer as a consultant, maybe you've sat down with your spouse, you've figured out the parenting time, you need some additional help and you need a drafter. You could hire someone like Ryan or me to essentially draft your parenting plan or draft your separation agreement. And we also now are working on in Colorado, having a, a limited license paraprofessional who can come in 
you know, and do work as well at a less hourly rate, but can still give certain, you know, advice under a limited license. And there's also different avenues, like you talked about, Ryan, the cost and the estimate on the cost is going to really depend on, you know, like where your divorce ends up, like, are you going to end up at a fully litigated permanent orders hearing, which is a final hearing? Or are you going to be able to sit down, you know, both parties hire an attorney and you sit down in a four-way settlement conference and, you know, like reach an agreement. So it really just depends, frankly, on like where you're able to settle, whether it's in mediation, you know, arbitration, you know, some of those other options besides just, you know, like going to court. Yeah. And I think that it depends on if someone's kind of quoting out prices. And I mean, we have a website on our costs and that is something that we try to do to be transparent. And I think, you know, people should understand that it costs less to get a case settled if people come in with an understanding of what they want. If people agree to equal parenting time for the kids, then, and obviously that's going to depend, is that what's going to work for them? And if they say, this is what we've agreed to, then it's going to, you know, and it's just, Hey lawyer, I'm going to need you just to draft this agreement. That is a different scope of representation and cost compared to going to mediation or going to trial and having depositions and all of that. And I think it is one of those things where people should, you know, if there's a marital agreement or premarital agreement, that certainly can factor in. But, you know, people really should check that out. We'll have links in the show notes to some of the things. I think people can look at the various scenarios and see how much the divorce costs from our perspective. But really, I think it's being comfortable and trusting your gut and then figuring out who's going to match up well with you. But hopefully these are things that people can think about when selecting the best divorce lawyer for themselves and their family and their situation. Anything else, Amy? Yeah, I think besides, I think just the mental cost that's important to take into consideration and also ask the potential attorney, like, what is their caseload like? Like, do they only take on certain number of cases so they have availabilities? You know, because when you're going through that process, part of, you know, that mental cost is being able to, like, have access to your attorney. So I think that's, you know, also important. Well, hopefully that's helpful information. Again, thanks for joining us on Divorce at Altitude. Hey everyone, this is Ryan again. Thank you for joining us on Divorce at Altitude. If you found our tips, insight, or discussion helpful, please tell a friend about this podcast. For show notes, additional resources, or links mentioned on today's episode, visit divorceataltitude.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen in. Many of our episodes are also posted on YouTube. You can also find Amy and me at kalamea.law or 970-315-2365. That's K-A-L-A-M-A-Y-A dot law.